Hello and welcome back to Experable. In this episode, I talked to Dr. Cassidy Preston, a mental performance coach for professional athletes and high performers. The challenges Dr. Preston faced as an elite hockey player created a passion for finding a better way to work on the mental game. He has dedicated his life to helping his clients use practical and personalized strategies that deliver repeatable and reliable results. After completing his PhD, Cassidy founded CEP Mindset and built a team of coaches that utilize his approach and system. The team has quickly become one of the largest mental performance coaching firms in the world and has coached many thousands of athletes and high performers and has helped them improve their mindset and achieve consistent elite performance. His recent book, Mindset First, provides a new way for elite athletes and high performers to mentally prepare in all areas of life. The concise and practical strategies in this book are the accumulation of Dr. Cassidy Preston's personal, academic, and professional experience over the past 20 plus years of his life. And through this conversation, we too get to share in that wisdom and knowledge as we dive deep into the heart of resilience, high performance, and personal growth. From transforming rock bottom into a launch pad, mastering the art of discipline, hacking high performance, and cultivating mental resilience like a pro, this conversation covers it all. Cassidy spills groundbreaking strategies for reprogramming your mindset, crushing self-doubt, and skyrocketing to success. Consider this a masterclass for anyone hungry for extraordinary achievement. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back to Experable. I'm your host, Krati Mehra. And in this show, we learn from the success and struggles of people we admire and dive deep into concepts that help us expand the possibilities available to us so we can freely, boldly design the life we desire, discover the depth and breadth of our capabilities, access the wisdom available in the world around us, and even on really bad days, love what we see in the mirror. Are you ready? Let's go. People who've hit rock bottom or people who've had years and years of being stuck in the same place, where do they start? How do they get back up and sort of give their life a fresh start? I'll get to your your question around like the rock bottom side of things, but a good place to look at it too, just on a high level is when you're thinking like the pursuit of high performance and achievement. It's like this double-edged sword where it's great to be ambitious, but it can stress us out and cause all kinds of struggle and stress and challenges. And one of those kind of then starting points is often when people are faced with a tough situation or they're feeling lost or they don't know where to go or they feel like they're in rock bottom or they're going through a transition period in their life. And in one way, we kind of often easily label that as such a bad thing. And as soon as we label something as something inherently bad, well, then there's a stigma around it and it creates this narrative. It's like, oh, I'm in a bad place. This is so bad. And yeah, no, there's often places where you don't want to be. It's like, yeah, no, I don't want to be down and out and performing poorly or without a job or the job I don't like, or there's situations that we don't like. But one of the beautiful or important ways to maybe look at it is like, But there's great opportunity in that because it allows us to really self-reflect and find out and ask ourselves the question, who do I want to be? What matters most to me? 
And often when we're like just getting enough of something and life's not too hard, but it's not too easy and it's, yeah. and it's not too challenging, well, then we don't really self-reflect and like learn to fight for what we want and what matters and, and create something with our time and our energy. So the way I would answer that first question is just encouraging people when you're in a tough time, like let's not label it as all some inherently bad thing. It's just where you are. And we're all on a journey. And what matters is what are we, you know, how do we make the most out of it? And it's okay to be in a longer transition period. Like we don't have to be like, well, I have to have everything figured out right now. No, what's the next step, right? And what's, what, what can I learn from right now? What do I want and what do I not want? Which is a really healthy thing to ask too. Sometimes we're always focusing, well, what do I want to achieve? What do I not want to achieve? And um, is, is a good question because sometimes when you even think of like, you know, high performance and achievement, whether it's in sport or in any area or field, it's also like, do you really want to be like the most famous person ever? Like, There's a lot of challenges with that. Like, so it's not that you don't want it, but like you just be mindful of, of what you're going after too and to what scale. And sometimes we get blinded by the allure and the shiny objects of success from a more materialistic standpoint. Yeah, I think you're, you're very right about that. And I think very, thank you for saying that because I think very few people are mindful of that. It, all of these angry debates that happen when someone like Elon Musk says you have to work 12 hours or 18 hours every day, you have to kind of remember what he's going for. He's trying to take us to Mars and that isn't everybody's <laughs> goal. So there's no point to getting yeah. angry. You just have to say, I don't share your goals. So my schedule actually looks quite different from yours and that's okay. Yeah, it's so true. What you said about narratives, I... Um, you know, there are so many things that are being said on media because content has become so accessible. Um, we are all sharing our ideas and our experiences and our journey. How do you steer clear of all of that noise? Like there is someone like you would have a lot of experience with that because it is a lot of people are very vulnerable to the loudest voices online. And the loudest voices are not necessarily the right voices or at least not for them. So how do we yeah. turn our focus inward and make sure that we're not so susceptible to all of what is being discussed online or is being said around us? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And there's no one cure-all answer for that, for sure. But a couple of the top things I would you know, color around it is think first and foremost, just like people growing up. And it's a maturing process to be self-reflective and become more self-aware. We're like, what do I want? Not what do my parents want? What do other people want? What does society want? And you create your own definition of success. You start to carve your own path. And that's a really important maturing and, and healthy for your own mind, let alone your career uh, to do. And then along that path, and as you know, people are going through their teenage years and young 20s, et cetera, so there's so much social media now. And to your point around like there's loud people and it's like, oh, well, that must be what I want because online and like the way that other people are talking about it or pushing, and then we can easily get sucked into that. Yeah. And so there's a couple of things that I would suggest around that, one of which is you know, be mindful of how much and what social media you're consuming, because to me, it can be um, toxic in a lot of ways. I think it's can be extremely funny and entertaining. That is yeah, for, sure. for sure. I definitely can also be educational, but it can become 
uh, so addictive and is designed to be such. And there's great documentaries and things about that. But learning to be mindful of how you consume it and filter how you consume it. It's like, hey, if you're doing it, be careful that it's not like becoming then everything that you think and believe. Uh, like I was, I was talking to uh, Olympic level athlete around, um, like she's training for the Olympics. And she was looking at everyone's 2023 and it's so great. Look how great my year was and all these things I achieved. And, and she's like, ah, <laughs> she's like making herself feel bad about herself. Oh, I like, it's like, no, no, like behind all of those, there's all these struggles and failures and there's this other side. So she actually prompted me to, I did a post not long ago about that. I was like, and, uh, or a blog post. I was like, yeah, no, like, yeah, I might've wrote a book, but guess how many times I struggled and failed? Like, don't be fooled by what people are posting. And, and then on the flip side, not only just being mindful of your consumption and, and being able to filter um, that, having your own voice, well, the main strategy with that and go back to like growing up and as a kid learning to, and the most common one is like, not put your parents' opinion as the most important and learn to actually put your own opinion of who you are, what you want to be and how you want to uh, live your life uh, becomes the number one. Well, the best and only real way to do that is to be by yourself and self-reflect or have a third party sounding board to have a self-reflective discussion with, but it's asking those questions, using journaling or taking what I often call to slow down to speed up, right? Our society is so fast, fast, fast. When we're growing up, we're like, I want to do more, achieve more. I want to do this, uh, make this person happy, chase the world, chasing all these things. And it's like, wait a second, <laughs> like, when do we slow down to self-reflect, think about our values, what's meaningful to us, what's intrinsically um, gives us meaning and enjoyment and be aware of that and then choose that because you chose it. Not because so-and-so said so, not because somebody else thinks it's cool or fun or interesting or that's what success is, it's because it's meaningful for you. And that's so valuable at all ages. So again, I keep speaking to like the teenage 20 years because those are very big transition years in people's lives, yeah. formative years with their, their mindset and maturity. But you know, this, this applies to 40, 50, like any age, we can all be, um, self-reflective in that nature. So it's kind of a roundabout way of touching on that, but it's, it's definitely a good question. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for, you know, going so deep into that, because I think that is very important right now. So many people I would hear putting so much pressure on themselves and there, they would like, if I have a client meeting, they would ask me these questions. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it takes a few sessions for you to even realize, do you even want this? What's happening? You are, you're, you seem very unhappy with all these goals that you picked for yourself. And which is probably why people study something and then go into this extremely different direction. And then 20 years later from being a finance guy, they're now making movies. So <laughs> I think if they do this process early on in the career, they can, you know, save themselves from going down a miserable path before they actually figure out yeah what was truly meant for them. So thank you for that. But now there is multi-hyphenates. This is like a legitimate thing you can do. You can be a multi-hyphenate. You can be a multi-passionate person. You can be a film director and a singer and a screenplay writer. You can do all of those things. But as someone who works with elite performers, someone who has made you know that to be your main focus, do you think you can be truly great as a multi-hyphenate? Yeah, great question. I think... Um... Yes, would be the short answer, but I would caution trying to be great at everything at once. So that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Like pick one thing, 
work on it, get good at it, and then let's move on to the next thing. And and then you can add to that and it can support it. And it, there's like flywheels and how, you know, working at, um, like I'd like to say, like someone's great at piano and they're great at singing. Well, they're related. <laughs> like, I mean, they're different, right. very different right. skills, but they're related and they can support. And then now you've got, you know, a, a good tandem and you can play piano and sing. Like it's a, it works pretty well together. And then there's other things that don't always work well together. Like I'll use even myself. I'm not a good piano player, but I practice playing piano sometimes. My young daughters do. And I do that because it's nice for me to work on something that, A, I'm a novice at at best. And two, it's just something very different, using a very different part of my brain or just, you know, get out of my comfort zone and just, and I enjoy it. And I enjoy trying to tap into the musical side, which is, again, quite novice level. I didn't grow up playing um, a lot of uh, uh, piano, let alone uh, any kind of musical training. So the, my point being, yes, I think it's, and it's actually healthy versus like, oh, I only want to be really good at one thing. Well, like for how long, like you want to keep evolving in your pursuits and your skills and, and your craft in, in a way, like there's this constant evolution that I think is quite healthy for us all to go through. That makes sense. Um, going back to like the first question that I asked you, I feel like for someone to make such a decision where you are saying that, okay, I'm going to do all of this work. I'm going to be a multi-hyphenate or whatever. I think that takes a degree of confidence for you to be able to make a decision like that, for you to be able to say that, oh, I'm going to do all of these things and I'm going to be good at all of them. That takes a lot of confidence. And I think that would depend on the experiences you've had up to that point. But if someone has been beaten down by life, if someone has had a lot of terrible experiences and they've reached their idea of rock bottom, then from that point, how do they make decisions that serve them? So I think it's choosing what do you want to grow at? What do we want to learn? And I think, because if we think of like, like I love coming to like intrinsic motivation is something that our society doesn't overly understand and connect with and talk a lot about. We talk about extrinsic motivation, which is very limited and can become quite toxic or unhealthy or not sustainable. So Again, when you're in this like rock bottom type situation where you're like, oh, like, I don't know what to do or like I've really failed or I'm struggling. Well, then you get this great opportunity to self-reflect. Well, what does matter to me? And those, again, those intrinsic things like, well, what are the experiences I like? Who are the people I like to be around and connect with? What do impact, contribution or service would be meaningful for me? Where can I... um Maybe I have this sense of like destiny or this sense of contribution to society as a whole. Like, where's my calling in that sense? And I'll I'll pair back a bit at that same token because some people are like, well, I just got to know for certain. No, you don't have to know for certain. But like, what are you like interested in? And just like go towards something. Like, give yourself a week, two weeks to do it. Maybe it's like, well, let me just start exercising or let me just start, you know, reconnecting with some family or, or people. Let me just go read a bunch of different books. And so it's more of an exploratory phase, I think, is a, a very uh, healthy look at it um, as well, instead of it being like, well, you hit rock bottom, now's the time, you've got a week, figure it out, get onto your goals and get going. Not everyone's life is like this streamlined, straight, like made the decision, then go. Like there is obviously some stories like that out there. Uh, I'll use even myself, like, Obviously, I wanted to play in the NHL and I was a hockey player and that was my main thing. And then when I went to university, I was like, I was always interested in sports psychology and mindset. 
So I was like, I'll do a psych undergrad. Took psych 101. I did not like psych 101. I was like, nah, thanks. And I was interested in business. So I switched to micro macroeconomics the next year. I was like, don't like this that much either. <laughs> it was a little too <laughs> nitty gritty for me. And then in my third year, I switched to Ken and kinesiology, which there's sports psychology is in that and more into back into the sports. And even then there was a, at one point I was like, I think I'll become a medical doctor. I was like, and I was like, nah, like, <laughs> it didn't quite work. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I, you know, continued to pursue it. And I still didn't even know throughout, it's not like I had certainty, oh, I knew this, but I had an inkling that I wanted to get in the mental performance space. I wanted to be self-employed, be run my own business. And I've got a firm and a bunch of coaches, but like I'm exploring a lot. There was learning lots of different things, trying things out. And, and so everyone's life is going to be unique. And it's not that I was like, that happened when I was at rock bottom, but as I was going through that university and it's like, let me just explore this and try it out. I think that's a, a healthy way to look at life as more of this experience where you're playing and creating and trying things out and getting on the field of play and taking action versus, well, let me wait till the the per, like I come up with the best idea or the perfect, like, well, like that's a fantasy, right? And yeah. we want to be practical, pragmatic about life is, is messy. And that's, that's what I'm thinking I'm, I'm getting at with, uh, with that answer. I think a lot of people today also want to do what they love. That doesn't necessarily always work out. Do you think that if you are truly, truly good at something that could become something you love? Yeah, for sure. I think there's a, a chicken or the egg kind of uh, problem of like, well, I love it because I'm good at it. Or And if you love something, then you will might become good at it to, to some degree. But I wouldn't overemphasize one over the other. It's like, well, just do whatever you're good at. Or no, no, don't worry about what you're good at and just do what you love. Like, You can cultivate both, if that makes sense. And you can love something and be good at it, but still maybe not make a living. <laughs> that mm, makes sense. Right, like, right. So like if you don't know how to be strategic and, and apply and, and keep learning other skills, because um, you can be a really good coach as an example, but if you can't market yourself, or, like then it doesn't matter. So, sure. uh, or it might not matter as much, but, and one thing I want to backpedal on when you, when you talk about like um, the importance of action and go take something, like one of the things I'll talk about with people's mindset is and I, you know, the argument is a lot of times some people don't get it. They're like, what do you mean you talk to people about mindset? Like, just go and like, just be confident, take action, <laughs> like yeah. go do stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll play to that mind, you know, that narrative where it's like, yeah, okay. Mindset is 80 to 90% about taking action, right. but it's that 10 to 20% where people get the tethered thoughts and feelings where we get in our own head. And because of that, what happens? We have a hard time taking action. And so right. there's this, a lot of my job is actually to help people untether and untangle their thoughts and emotions and get clear on who they want to be and, and process their situation or things that are going on so that it frees them up to then get after and go after the things that they want. And now is that an easy process? No, not per se. For no. some people, it can get pretty tangled. But with that said, it doesn't have to be inherently super hard either. But having a, a third party, having somebody that knows what they're doing or does it for a living can help us untangle it a bit. But then the bottom line is we can't just untangle stuff and not take action. Like we just talk ourselves silly. There has to be go and do something. Right. I'll use a, a sales example. Um, 
I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, they're, they're, I don't know if my offer is good enough. I don't know if I'm good enough or the value is this. And it's like, just go and message people. Yeah. And when they message people, now it's like, you're telling yourself, I have something to offer. And now you're helping further untangle um, your and your mindset starts to grow. And so that, that action taking reinforces the mindset that you want. But sometimes there's a little bit of untangling. And sometimes having a third party be like, this is untangled enough. Just go do it now. And like, if yeah. you fail, that's okay. At least you learn and pick yourself up. And that's why I, I very much wear the hat of a coach that guides people and helps them untangle and then encourages versus like, and I'm not clinically to can't treat or diagnose depression in that um, and mental illness category. But I can definitely talk about our mindset and our mental well-being and mental performance. And that 10, 20% is, is a sometimes a, a, a unique way of looking at it that, yeah, it gives the action the and the taking action part, the credit that's due, but then really highlights, but if this gets tangled up, that all falls apart uh, or can fall apart for, for certain people. So, um, and a lot of people seem to be able to relate to that. In the absence of a coach, like you said, a coach can help you with that. And for sure, I think a coach will be an, an incredible asset when you're in a place like that. But if someone cannot afford a coach, because that is a lot of people's reality, uh, thankfully, we do have a lot of other resources like podcasts, we have books. Um, but where would you place accountability in that case? And what would that accountability look like? Because what you said, that makes a lot of sense. You, not everybody will be able to, you know, right away, get out of bed and start doing things if their mindset is not right, if their mind is not in a good, healthy place. But in a scenario like that, how do you hold yourself accountable? And what what would you, that accountability even look like? I think the way I would look at and tackle that is first and foremost, building trust with yourself. And so whether if you can if you can have somebody that you can lean on to share with that's certainly helpful but we always always have ourselves and to write things out i think is so important you can untangle your stuff if you just brain dump and journal for half an hour straight just don't stop writing and i think there's been research and things that to, to prove that will help you process and deal with your worries your thoughts because then it allows you to separate it starts to untangle as you write it out versus if you just spin it in your own head. I got this from someone online and he talks about like, okay, if we do a simple math problem, two plus three, okay, it's five. You don't need to write down. But if I'm like, oh, do 2,472 plus 765, like 0.7, like it's like, oh yeah, can I write that down and do it? <laughs> it's like, oh, so you'll yeah. write down a math problem, but you won't write out your, you know, what the thoughts and the feelings that are going on in your head and, and process that. And so that's, you know, we have that process. And then with the accountability piece to taking action, it's like, okay, I'm going to process through reflection. There's learning online, you know, surrounding yourself, be you know, you're having a hard time and you want to untangle, get off social media for the most part. Don't go and look at what everyone else is doing and, and be aware of what's making me not feel good about like, and what's the, where I'm making unhealthy comparisons or, you know, ingesting into our mind junk, which is going to lead to not a great output. Just like you eat, don't eat good food. You don't feel so good. You don't, you don't exercise. Input dictates output. And so it's the same with your mind. So Outside of what not to do and then some things to start doing and, and, and surround yourself with inspiring people or listening to podcasts or education, but then writing it out or having a sounding partner that's a true friend where they actually just listen to some degree. Like a, it's a lot of what I do isn't rocket science. It's not like 
it's this big complicated math problem that I'm solving. <laughs> like it's, it's just, you know, getting acutely attuned to being able to listen and be a sounding board and even a mirror to see back to people's blind spots or help them look at something just differently. And obviously there's practice and reps, but the point being leaning on other people, if, if you have that, that's great. And if you don't, I think reflection and journaling is, is such a healthy tool. And then back to the main part of the question though, the accountability. So the way I like to look at self-accountability is such an important and crucial skill. The, if you can, it's great to lean on other accountability. I go to a gym where I work out with other people because I don't want to be the one that doesn't finish the workout. <laughs> like it helps me. There's lots of good research and studies done about um, having an accountability partner that you check in once a week. What are the things you said you're going to do? Then did you do them? Like it's just very simple, helpful. If you can find someone like that, I had, I was like, we just actually met up again uh, during my PhD. I had one of my lab mates, Lauren, we would met, like every Monday. How's the, how was last week? What's going on this week? And then now with, I have a team that I like, they just half their job is to keep me accountable. I just tell them what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, but um, having other people is helpful, but even just with yourself, some good principles, even with that is get very careful and cautious about ever over committing, meaning start small and build. We want to be careful and I'll, I'll pedal this around in a couple ways, but my recommendation is we want to be very careful to like, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and then you only do half of it. And it's like, I would rather you do actually a little bit less, but you did exactly what you said you were going to do. And so it's like, you got four tasks done this week, but you said you were going to do four versus you got five, but you said you were going to do 10. It is way better to be the person that did less. That person will have a way more sustainable um, career and have a longer impact in the long term. The person that's doing five out of their 10 is going to be going crazy with themselves and stressed and it's they're not going to be productive in the long term. Eventually they're like, "Oh, what's the point of having a lit like and uh, and they burn out and all kinds of problems can come from that." So, and the stress along the way. So, and again, usually that 4 to 4 person's then eventually go 5 for 5 and then they can go 6 for 6 and they can be more strategic and creative. And so, uh, that's a rule of thumb whether you're doing it with yourself or others. And I think one of the then principles and ways to look at that, whether it's yourself or others, is like, well, just pick one thing. And I'm a big, uh, well, I think it was, I forget the book, um, Essentialism. I think there's a couple, he has a couple different books, but um, the idea of like one priority, pick one thing. And which becomes a lot of my book is about make mindset your top priority. <laughs> Often, you know, that's why it's mindset first. What is the main thing versus no, no, all three of these things matter this week. No, no. What's the one that's the most important the, and don't drop the ball on the one thing. And we simplify down into less and less and less. Then we're not scrambling and chasing and then we don't do any of the things well. Right. And, uh, and that's what a lot of entrepreneurship like. That's what a lot of life is like. It's like, we're chasing all these things. It's like, no, no, stop chasing something. What was the one that matters most? Pick that thing, pick something reasonable, you know, go and do that thing, then do a little bit more, keep getting after it, get that you know piece of life or piece of your career or whatever you want to work on in place. And then now go work on another project or task or other area and so forth. And, and what are you doing? You're building trust with yourself. And that's like, that might be yeah. the most valuable thing you can do. And a lot of people I think are just killing their trust with themselves because they don't do what they say they're going to do. And they know it. A lot of other people might not, but they know. They know, like, oh, I'm going to work out tomorrow. 
didn't work out. I'm going to do this, and then they don't do it. Like, and I'm human. No, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be David Goggins. Like, oh god, like life's good. <laughs> I'm not nothing against David Goggins, but yeah, he's got definitely this persona. This guy just like doesn't sleep practice. I don't know, but even myself, I'll use um, like going to bed like super early. It's like you know, like it's just making adjustments. It's not like I've never not done what I said I'm going to done. And I got young kids. When you got young kids, that's hard to do what you say you're going to do all the time. Things come up like, and, and that's life. So we want to be adaptable and flexible within that. But generally speaking, be very careful and be very mindful and really value your own word to yourself, let alone to others. And I think that's a great way to then be accountable to yourself and build momentum. I think I could have really, really used this advice when I was sort of building my career up, especially when I started doing my own thing. This was so amazing. Thank you so much for all of that advice because keeping your promise to yourself, that is so huge. I, again, would look at someone like David Goggins or other others in that league and I would want to be ambitious 31 days, uh, like in a month, 30, 31 days in a month, and I wouldn't achieve it. And you don't achieve it on day one. You set these impossible goals for yourself and then you don't achieve it on day two, day three. Because like I would write articles for publications and the article would take a lot longer than I thought it would, which means none of, you know, no other goal is getting done. You let yourself off the hook on day one because what else can you do? You can't get that time back. Then the next day, again, yeah. you've made the same mistake. You let yourself off the hook again. And then the third day, the fourth, and you get so used to it and you don't even realize how it's hurting your confidence. You're just so used to not achieving what you say you're going to achieve that you just, and it starts to shift your self-perception. You start believing oh, that, yeah. oh, I'm not really very capable. So that's so true. Like my calendar yeah. now says, uh, do something ambitious or, or two days a month that's it like something ambitious yeah. overly ambitious and very uh focused just two days a month i have to do something that makes me uncomfortable and that is overly ambitious that's it so yeah. what you said i could have really really used that kind of guidance when i was building up my business because that time you yeah. are really in the trenches and there's so much going on you have to juggle so many walls you don't yet know what you're good yeah. at what you have to outsource Man, this yeah. is why a coach is so important. But once you've gotten people yeah, go off that, like past that first step, um, and they are now, you know, starting their journey, what would you say are the non-negotiables for elite performance? You know, the way we look at it, like there's like these fundamental uh, building blocks for high performers, and particularly in the moment ones. And one of them we're just talking about, which is confidence or trusting yourself and owning your capabilities, which is this whole cornerstone most people get and understand a lot of people struggle with and we like we just alluded to and there's other reasons for that they tie their self-worth their self-image to external results instead of to the work that they've done and so when our results are up they're like i'm great results are down i'm terrible and it's like they're so worried about whether people think there's a lot that goes into that corner block the other big one for me on the other side of the spectrum is Focusing on the process. How well can you just get dialed in? There's no noise. There's no worry and distractions about the results. And you're just focused on the task at hand and your process and immersed. And so those are two big ones. And then the other two fundamentals that we talk about are resilience and composure. And so composure is to do with your ability to stay calm, composed, relaxed under pressure type situations, 
the, your ability to uh, stay centered and not get high and low and elated, deflated. And then on the other one, in terms of resilience, is just being able to deal with the adversity. You want to be a high performer? There will be challenges and adversity. And your ability to be resilient, persistent, adaptable, flexible, and work through challenges is crucial. So they're all interrelated. You can't be like, yeah. oh, I've got super great confidence, but then I'm terrible at one or the other. They're all connected. And what we like to then do when working with someone is to identify, well, what's the one they can work on the most? And because then we get that one up and we give them some principles and strategies to focus on that, then it, it helps the others as well. And the others, there's other things within being a high performer um, after that base level. One is discipline, right? And the mm -hmm. ability to be coachable and do the, do the work. And the other one is related to just your ability to be centered away, like have a healthy life, especially when someone's becoming a high performer or in business and you're just working at your business all the time. And then the rest of your life becomes chaotic. <laughs> and then that's going to seep in or often for most people seeps in and like causes stress and vice versa. Do you bring the stress of your sport or your career or the main thing that you work on to the other areas of your life? And so there's this ability to be grounded and centered in life. So I call mm -hmm. it, this is like the second tier. I call them like elite habits. And then the top tier is just being a leader, your ability to influence, inspire others, whether that's employees followers, teammates, et cetera. Can you have a positive impact on others? And when you do the fundamental pieces, you're automatically going to be a better leader because you're in a more grounded, centered, confident state. But there is other whole traits and characteristics and in interacting with others um, uh, as a skills in and of the skills in and of themselves. So yeah. yeah, that would be the we call this is a seven mental skills pyramid that we use. Yeah, the qualities that you mentioned, especially relating to your character, like resilience and staying grounded, these are, they sound like simple words, but they are actually qualities that I think are game changers. So before we get to that, have you ever met like a performer or someone you coached who had these from the get go, who had these qualities from the very start of their journey? I would generally say no, for a couple of reasons. Kids are born pretty resilient but they're not necessarily born managing their emotions. <laughs> so like, right. and, and they're carving and creating their capabilities. And then as you earn more capabilities, you have to keep owning it. So it's, a, it's this never-ending thing that we all do. And then your ability to focus on the process, as an example, and be engaged in that. The problem with a lot of these is our society literally teaches us the opposite. We get taught to tie our confidence to external things. We get taught to whine and complain instead of being resilient or, or to get phased and rattled and, and unfrustrated. We get taught to get like nervous and worried about what everyone thinks instead of being calm and composed and ground and centered. And we get taught and our society pushes results and worrying about that. And that is what success instead of like, well, who are you being? And focus on your process and your own definition of success. So generally... As a society, I would say we are struggling <laughs> with these because of the way that a lot of things are set up and, and just the norms that are currently set. Now, there's a lot of people doing relatively well, and there's some parents or coaches that will guide and help people develop these traits better. And some people will learn them naturally or they'll figure it out along the way. They'll lean into certain things or they heard somebody say something. I use an example. I had like a, a pro basketball player 
that's at a high level and he naturally was you know came from nothing really like in, in the streets more or less and had a really good mental game though from it's like I, i'm getting out of here and like you know worked hard and got out of it and has climbed the ranks and in basketball making a really good living now and then and now all of a sudden he's like worried about you know <laughs> worried about stuff and like oh, i don't want to lose my contract and right. like and so it's this never anything that we can work on all of them. It's not like, and like, and as somebody that teaches this and works with and coaches people on this every day, it's not like, oh, well, I've got it mastered and I never, like, no, like, I literally, is all I do is talk about this stuff all the time and I still slip up. I'll still focus on the results or, you know, get nervous or worried or frustrated or doubt myself to some degree. But then it's using the skills and the strategies or knowing who to lean on and uh, to keep me moving forward. And so, yeah, that was a long answer for a simple question, but the answer was no, no, no one. <laughs> it's just naturally, oh, everything's super high, and it's subjective too, obviously. So, um, so yeah, that would be my answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I often feel like when I listen to young kids talking, especially online or even if it's at a social event, I'm in India. Things are still different in India. Things uh, are different from how things are in U.S. Kids here, students here, are very, very Either they're not at all interested in their studies or they're very, very laser focused because family dynamics are, I think, different here. But in I would I get a lot of American clients and they would always what they're telling me, it sounds very self-indulgent. And except that you can't say that to them. You can't say that, hello, everything that you're complaining about, it's all part of being a freaking adult. You are an adult, <laughs> so you have to take the punches. You can't say that yeah. anymore. People get their back up, they get very defensive. And there are so many people who will agree with them, who will support them in this bullshit narrative they're spinning for themselves and they're staying as a, like a victim. They would prop them up and they would tell them oh no no you're doing the right thing yes we shouldn't be have to work more than four hours a day we should get the weekend off we should also get this amazing pay package and i'm like this is so strange thank you for saying that what yeah. you said it doesn't get said enough but we do need to remind everyone that you want all of these things you've got to put in the work and yes you you have to cultivate these qualities which is why uh now i want to ask you about discipline and daily routine you mentioned it a little bit but uh, please talk about the how important it is to prioritize discipline on a daily basis and where would you place a, a routine like a proper routine to get that performance out of yourself how how high would you prioritize that quite high um and and if you do the foundational pieces too it will probably help with the discipline and one thing just to piggyback on what you were saying with like the self indulgent or a common word is entitlement, right? Like they're entitled to this. I do like to call people out. I do it softly because if you do it too hard, it's <laughs> too offensive. But And I don't necessarily do it in the first day I meet somebody. But what I like to do is like, and, and, and even it's just like, well, let's just imagine, like imagine you're in your sport or you're on a work day. And if there's just a little bit of entitlement, and you're feeling a little bit of a sense of entitlement. And it's like, hey, we've all been there. Like, it's like to some degree, um, we've had these feelings for whatever, they were, maybe not all of us, but a lot of people, it's pretty natural to have that feeling at some point to some degree. And, but if you're holding on to that and you stay with that little, like that can ruin a lot of things. <laughs> like that will throw off your mindset. So, and, and I, I try to prime people to self-reflect in that way to be like, yeah, maybe I'm getting a little entitled at times, just a little bit. 
And even like we might, if I was an outsider, though, somebody would be like, nah, it's a lot. But from a coaching standpoint, I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit. Because if I can get them to admit and self-reflect and be like, yeah, it might even just be a little bit. There's no bit that's enough. Like there's no bit is good. Let's get rid of it. We don't want any little bit of entitlement because yeah. that can just ruin everything. And it's like a, a weed that just spreads once it's there. So we got to, we don't want a little bit. So versus like, hey, you're being entitled. It's like, well, screw you. <laughs> it's like, and then they have, you have an entitled response back. But um, it's like, yeah. no, you, you just have a little bit of entitlement going on in your thought. And so, which then, because if you're entitled, I guarantee your discipline level is going to be struggling through the roof. And so that's why those things are connected as you talk about, but you want to be disciplined and do the work and do this. Like that's not, not if you're entitled or you have a little bit of entitlement. Well, I shouldn't have to do all the extra work. I should have to wake up and do this and, you know, commit to my routine. What? <laughs> like, what do you mean you shouldn't have to? Like, you don't get to be healthy without doing exercise and eating well. Like, you don't get to become a medical doctor by, you know, someone just gives you a degree. Like, you've got to study and do the work. Like, you earn these things. You're not entitled to them. So with that, it takes discipline to earn things and to progress in your life. And one of the ways I like to look at it for myself and for other people, and I've heard this in different ways, is like learning to enjoy doing hard things. And so one of the big narratives in our culture and what's happened over the last, with all technology and the last decades, is like everything's just so easy. Netflix easy, order food online easy. Like life is so easy. And, and so we get comfortable doing things that are easy and not getting challenged or doing hard things. And, ooh, that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. If you, you right. show me somebody whose life is easy all the time, and I'll show you somebody's life's going to get hard and they're not going to like it. Like I was used to, I'll use the example, like being a drug addict, kind of easy to pick drugs, but then their life's going to get hard or it's easy just to not exercise and do these things. And then your life's going to get hard real quick and unhealthy and, and different challenges. And so it doesn't mean we have to be David Goggins, like, I, cause I'm not trying to be David Goggins. That's his thing. And I don't know if that's, I don't think is inherently for everyone, but what I am encouraging is learning to change the narratives in our head to be like, no, like I like hard things, not all hard things, not all the time, but I'm not afraid. And just like you said, do two ambitious things that like a month, that's great. Right. That is like a lot of people don't do that. And, and I would even encourage like do some little things. And I'm sure you probably do some little things each day. Like for me to get up a little bit earlier and go to the gym it's a bit hard and challenging, but I'm like, no, I like that. And like, I want to learn to do the hard thing because on the other side is the result. My life gets easier because I did the hard thing. So it's like, do hard things first. Life gets easier or choose easy things and life gets harder. And so, but we want to change the narrative because a lot of people's narrative is like, avoid hard things. Hard things are bad. Like even it's funny that like athletics, let me give this example. Cause I know not everyone's probably an athlete listening, but when we work with athletes, and especially up and coming athletes, and they're like, ah, oh, I have to go work out. Oh, such a hard workout. I'm like, you don't become a good athlete if you don't do hard workouts. Like, if you don't love training and just pushing your body to exhaustion, you're not going to be very good. Like, how are you going to have the sustainable energy for that? So now, the average adult or the high performer not in sport you don't need to love grueling your body to exhaustion like David Goggins. I keep using him as a, just a 
contrasting, you know, public figure, but yeah. um, you don't have to become David Goggins to learn to love hard things. Does that make sense? You don't have to become six pack, like, don't eat like ever. I don't know, whatever he does. But the, I do think we can like, well, what's something hard I can do to push my comfort zone a little bit. And then let alone, like you said, like maybe a couple times a month, do something really hard or a new project that I take on or a new skill like me playing piano pushes my comfort zone a bit. I'm failing like just miserably on this piano, like lessons things, but it's, um, it's treating. And like, and this, a lot of this comes from like growth mindset literature too, right? Which is people get and understand, yeah, we got to fail and we got to learn to embrace failure is not a bad thing and it can help us grow. Most people don't live that. It's like, oh yeah, I get that. But then when it comes to failure, like, nope, avoid. Comes to hard things, nope, avoid. It's like, no, no, we got to learn to go through it, go through it um, and and find those routines. And so that was my rant about the psychological side. And then on the tangible maybe side, practical side, like the two main, couple of the big discipline things I would encourage are start of days and end of days. Because we have how we bookend our days. Start your day off with the right tone. Do something that's meaningful for you. Do not hit the snooze button. That is a terrible way to start your day. A lot of people do it. It's really easy. It's not inherently bad. It's not inherently bad. But just think about what we're saying to ourselves when we do that. Uh, I'm not ready. I, like, I'm not excited for life. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, I want to sleep for, what? what? Like, <laughs> like um, we want to, um, if you, if you want more sleep don't, and you can get more sleep, then don't set your alarm. And it actually doesn't make you more, like it, you feel more tired. It's like, oh, I wanted to get up at, uh, I need to get up at 7.30, but I set my alarm for 7.15 to see. And then I almost always hit my snooze and I get up at 7.30. Just set your alarm for 7.30 and get up first time. Like what, like what the psychology of what you're telling yourself and it's not helping your body to hit the snooze. So start your day with something that's meaningful, whether it's physical activity, whether it's mindfulness and meditation, whether it's setting your intention, create a morning routine that serves you. And there's tons of different variations and options. We could probably talk about this for half an hour, but I think that's an important discipline habit because it's like set the tone. And again, it goes business, do the hard things first, do the meaningful things first is even probably more important. Like if you can start your day and you want, you like writing blogs or creating content and you do that first thing. You're jumping out of your bed in the morning, like, let's go. Let me go do the most important thing. I got half an hour to myself to go work on that. Uh, you're an artist or you're a musician or you're an athlete that wants to go on this or you're a business person wants to create, you know, strategy, like do that thing first. Now you don't always have to do it right away first. Like I like to, I don't always, but I like to go to the gym sometimes because I want to get that out of the way because like if I have to go later in the day, I'm less likely to go. So, um, I think that's important bookending your days. And, and at the end of the day, how do we wind down? There is like a sleep crisis going on in our world. People are incredibly sleep deprived and it might be, you know, the number one thing for your physical and mental health, let alone performance. And people do not unwind. They're on social media or Netflix. They don't get to bed on time. They don't have good sleep hygiene. They have poor sleep. Everything is affected. Just imagine getting four hours of sleep all week. And for five straight days, how resilient will you be? How disciplined will you be? Like everything's shot. Sleep is so valuable for our mental and physical well-being. But then it's also this time to reflect on the day, own your wins, prepare for the next day, 
you know, whatever it is in, in, a, in a process that serves you and reflect like, hey, what went well? What could I work on? And how did I grow? And I think there's lots of unique things that you can do to bookend your days that then will tee up discipline throughout your day um, and other things. All right. That was a long rant. You got me going today. Here we go. No, I think that was important because, uh, again, it's the same thing. We hear a lot of, like, I think creative people have done this where they are completely dismissive of discipline and daily routines. According to them, uh, oh, it restricts my creativity. It, you know, creativity is about inspiration. But then you hear great authors. You listen to them talk about their process and they'll tell you, no, these R's are assigned only to writing, no computer, no internet, no nothing, just writing. And they are telling you, but then again, we are so, have this strong aversion to doing tough things that we spin this narrative for our benefit where we're like, no, but my inspiration, I must chase my inspiration and it doesn't help. And I think, again, as you said, you know, these things, they don't get said enough and it's not easy to even talk about it when everyone else is going down a different path. And they are giving validation to these ideas that sound pleasant, but ultimately create terrible results and make it harder for you to, you know, up your performance. That's so true. And I think David Goggins, I think David Goggins is a good example of human capacity. Like this is also possible. It's not necessarily, I think he has his own agenda. run marathons every day. (laughs) Yeah. And I love where you're going. And one of the things that I'm so passionate about or what I really stand for in a lot of ways is like so much of what gets said or people will say are fluffy, cookie cutter, like advice. It's superficial, right? It's quick fixes. And what I don't like, and this is, and um, and, and it happens online, is like people like these, well, you just got to want it more than you want to breathe. And like these motivational like videos, it's like, and that's, again, people not understanding the untangle part. And it's just like, we'll just take action, just be motivated and like, just be calm. It's like, it's ridiculous advice that often right. does more harm right. than is helpful. It's not well thought out. It's people that are not taking a critical lens and they're just saying stuff to say stuff. And they're like, you know, this flashy and it looks good and it's entertaining and it's like, sounds great, but it's a joke. It's a pink unicorn that does not exist. That is not how the real world works. There's no consistent or, or not that there's no, generally the highest performers, they don't live in this fairy tale fantasy that it's like, go, go, go. I'm awesome. Positive all the time. That's not what it's about. What it's actually about, true high performance is about momentum. And right when we're talking about discipline, it's momentum and like owning your capabilities and you're building momentum. You do what you say you're going to do. You learn to own the work that you put in. You're changing the narrative and it creates this momentum. And think about when we're talking about this discipline or these different things, often the hardest part is getting started. It's friction, right? It was a friction. It's like once you get the object moving, now it keeps rolling. And so, but it's often that inertia that to, to get the object moving is the hardest part. And then you got to keep it moving and you got to keep the discipline. You got to, it's not like it's like one and done and then it just rolls forever, but we're, we're in the game of life is about momentum who like creates self momentum and by owning your wins, by creating the discipline, by untangling the narratives, not by doing fluffy cookie cutter, super positive. It's all just motivation and take action you know, you rah, rah, rah. And I'm not against any of that because there's a time and place for that. I tell people 
uh, quite often is like, hey, we've untangled enough and I think they get it. And I'm like, okay, go all in, be fully committed. You use like acceptance commitment uh, is a, a huge couple principles and like be committed. And so that's a bit of my, that's my rah-rah coming out a bit. Cause sometimes people needs that little rah-rah, but I think it gets over popularized and like, you're not going to see me making videos online. Like just do it. Rah-rah-rah. Like it's like, cause it, I don't think it does justice to what is momentum really about and what does it really mean to understand our thoughts and our feelings again, alignment with that and our behaviors. And it oversimplifies it just like the be positive whole notion. It's like, it's got to be positive all the time. It's ridiculous. There's a time and a place that we want to be encouraging and it looks like a positive attitude, but the whole literature on the positive psychology never says just be positive all the time. It's actually about being centered, grounded, neutral as Trevor uh, Moad uh, really popularized who unfortunately passed away. But um, yeah, th those are really good. Anyways, you got me. I wanted to share that because uh, when we're talking about discipline and, and these topics, that's, that's why I think it's meaningful and it's good reflection for a lot of people. So, yeah, no, that's so true. Uh, everything you've said put together, that makes so much sense because uh, you're right. All of this advice and all of these videos are very generic. And they will not work with everyone, which is probably why, despite the abundance of resources, not very many people are able to generate those uh, those results that get them to that level of where you are identified as a high performer. So that that's that's incredibly helpful. I do want to ask you if someone is able to get past that first hurdle, they they've established some discipline, they are doing consistent work. When the results don't show up then you have this choice where you can quit, you can back off, or you can go back to your old ways. How do you maintain your self-belief in the absence of results and continue to put in the work? Yeah, so it definitely depends on the situation versus saying like, well, just keep moving forward and, and some of the things I'll, I'll probably say shortly because there is a time and a place to adapt. And like we definitely always want to learn. Sometimes it's like, well, maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree here. And so we want to treat and encourage relentlessness and re, you know resilience and persistence and be mindful of the importance of adaptability and acceptance and self-compassion and um, to, to, that rounds it out. Now, with that said, if it's something you want, uh, it's something you're driven for, the way I like, a couple of ways I like to look at it is it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And so if you, we change that narrative, like, am I going to do it? I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I'm going to keep working and find a way. And then maybe at some point I'll reevaluate and be like, you know what? No, I think I've tried enough. <laughs> like it goes back to my first point around like be adaptable, make adjustments as long as you're learning. And then as you're doing it, like you want to think strategically, you want to think practically, you want to be grounded and keep learning. I really love the framing of unfazed relentlessness, which is because some people are relentless. It's like, I'm going to keep going but they are rattled. They're frustrated. They're deflated. They're, um, and I'm like, no, I want, I like, I encourage athletes and high performers. I like, I want you to be like the Terminator. You're like, you're taking shots and you're like, doesn't matter. You just take a shot. Doesn't even fit. You just keep moving forward toward, you know, the, your goal, your, your project on who you want to be and, and, and the life you want. And so, it's where some people might be unfazed and then they get become ambivalent, but then they don't keep being relentless and they relent and give up. So I really like that kind of narrative and learning to 
embrace that. And then a lot of this has to come with that acceptance commitment I was alluding to earlier, where we uh, accept the situation for what it is. We accept that there's adversity or there's hard things or part of the process and we embrace it. And once we own it, we can commit to who we want to be and commit to moving forward. And that's what now this unfazed accept and relentlessness commitment would then look like. And so acceptance commitment is one of the more practical principles around thinking and and your your mindset. What it looks like and feels like is unfazed relentlessness. So um, yeah, that would be the, the the quick answer. Again, trying not to give a one size fits all because as we were alluding to, I think being personalized in your approach, and that's why again one on one coaching when it's capable or having sounding boards and like everyone's story is unique and you want to create strategies and narratives and a life and carve your own path that fits and feels, you know, the optimal for you. But it is good to give some narratives and options and get people to the discussion and getting them to reflect. That's, you know, very valuable. And then some people will run with that and some people it's, they might want more and it'll click later. So yeah, great question. Uh, and as we are going through this journey, you know, the first thing that comes to everyone's mind is I need to be confident to go into this journey to actually generate results. But something that was, you know, something that a lot of people don't realize is that confidence looks different, you know, on different people. Like for you, it might mean something else. For me, it might mean something else. So if somebody wanted to recognize whether they have the confidence to do something or not, what are the qualities that you would ask them to look for in their own interactions, in their own self to like behavior that is typical to a confident person. I will do with confidence. I like to blow it up. I don't like the word. I use it. Everybody uses it. It matters. It's a thing. But the word is so tainted. Right? The word in our society generally is associated with achievement and external things and getting praise. So then when you achieve things and when you get praised, you feel confident. And it becomes this fleeting thing that comes and goes. But that's like, oh, well, what if I don't do it? Or oh, I'm not feeling so great. To ah, oh, I don't know if I'm capable. Like what? Like true confidence. If we we let go of that, you know, tainted definition, that's not true. True confidence is about owning your capabilities. That's it. That's what I like to use. And when I get high performers, like stop using that word and just focus on your capabilities. What are you capable of based on the work you put in? Now, some high performers will still struggle to own their capabilities because they have a bit of a narrative like, oh, I'm so hard on myself. I don't know if I'm like, so now we, but now it's a more tangible thing to work on. Okay. Well, are you owning your capabilities right now? Uh, and I'm not. Okay. Well, why not? What's the excuse? Like, what are your capabilities? Now let's make the choice to own it. There's just so much baggage around the word confidence. So I just generally like to throw it out for the most part. Like it still gets used in different ways, but like it's to me, you know, become a tainted word for, for a lot of people in a lot of ways. Now, the other thing that, you know, I dive into and I dive in a lot, and this is in chapter two in the book, and we call it like how to never have a confidence problem again is, you know, and you won't have a confidence problem if you stop using the word. So <laughs> that's a bit of a, a cheating part. But the other part is to change the narrative. It's like, who said you have a confidence problem? You're saying it about yourself, right? Or who says you're too hard on yourself? Who says you beat yourself up all the time? Now, because then as soon as you identify with that, 
right? It's like, I am somebody that struggles with confidence. I am somebody that's too hard on myself. Well, then you're going to keep struggling with those things. Maybe, so we want to change the narrative. Maybe in the past, you've been somebody at times, not all the time usually, but at times didn't always own your capabilities. Maybe in the past, you've been somebody that doesn't really own your greatness or doesn't always um, like trust themselves or beats themselves up a bit. Like those kind of, all these traits that's like, yeah, no, th those are, those will hold you back. Like when you do that and aren't going to help you take the risk or go after what you want or trust yourself. But we want to change the narrative from like, I am this to, yeah, maybe I've done that in the past at times. And then we create a narrative and identity and we choose how are we going to show up now, right? If, if I'm going after this, how am I going to do it? And I'll use, I'll just use myself in the most recent example. Um, I when I launched my new website and the book came out, a new website, I've been doing still all these other, all this work. And there was this, and I was like, whew, this is like, cause I'm used to, it's been a while running the business CP mindset and you know, and I'm more or less the business, but there's, it's a business and it's not just all about me. And then now I just launched this. It's all about me. Like, in a, like <laughs> not in a bad way, but in like, it's my personal website. Right. And coach, author, speaker, like, I was like, damn, I'm like, what are people going to think? And I'm starting to doubt myself. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Should I have this website? And it wasn't a ton of noise, obviously. Well, whatever, but there was noise. Okay. So like I'm human. And I had this like, oh, like I was just putting myself out there. I use the analogy like I'm an artist and I've mostly been selling art one-to-one. -one. And now all of a sudden I've got this book and now, and I've been creating this like a bunch of artwork and I'm going to put this gallery on and now this gallery is just open for the world. And I was like, Oh, damn. Like, this is good. This just feels different. <laughs> like, and so, um, and, and so the narrative then and, and talking with Todd and, and leaning on one of my coaches, Nick, and just making sure it's like, okay, no, let me own the, like, I know what I know. I, I don't pretend to know everything, but I know what I'm good at. And I know the work that we do. And I know, you know, the, you know, the system we have and my ability to speak. And I know that the book is not just like some random stuff. Like this is 20 plus years of research, my own experiences and, and working with clients. It's not just like, it's like, no, no. So I can own it. Not everyone's going to like it. Can't make everyone like you all the time, but I can own it and don't dare downplay myself. And so I'm not trying to inflate myself because that's, being arrogant or trying to pretend something I'm not. Um, but I'm not going to downplay myself and make sure I own it. So being aware of that inner narrative and, and, and sometimes we can use an identity exercise within that. That's the alter ego stuff. My mentor Todd Herman um, has really um, helped me and he wrote the whole book, The Alter Ego Effect, highly encouraged. And it's very powerful work to not only change the narrative around, oh, I'm someone that struggles with confidence to like learning to own it. And changing the narrative, like, no, this is now who I choose to be. I'm choosing to be someone that owns those traits. I'm choosing to be somebody that's going to show up like this. And now I'm going to be perfect at it. Like, no, but like you're being intentional about it and you're creating your story. You're writing the next page versus like, well, I don't know. I'm somebody that does. <laughs> so, and then it's really easy to fall down and go down that rabbit hole. So, um, yeah, that's how I, I like to debunk or challenge people to think differently about confidence in and of itself. So I don't think it's possible for you to generate very 
and this might sound a little extreme, but you kind of have to have that mindset for to generate any result that actually makes an impact. I don't think you can do it with a, a kind of a, a jelly-like mindset where you are kind of in, kind of out, not so sure of yourself. I don't think that actually works. Uh, I was made to repeat my story of depression over and over again. Like that's all people wanted to hear. I was invited to podcasts and where they again wanted for me to recount that story and I was over it. I was completely over it. I was not that person anymore who went through that depression. I had scored other achievements that I wanted to talk about. And when I said, I don't want to talk about this, I would rather talk about something else. People were pulling back their invitations. But at the time it was like, fuck this, I'm going to do my thing. Hmm. This is no longer this. I don't want to talk about this anymore. It sounds very like a story of a victim. I'm not a victim anymore. I don't identify with that. I want to talk about something else. And I had to accept that and really just become very stubborn about it before things actually started to change. But it's, I think it's difficult to take that stand because you're so scared that you're going to alienate people. Nothing's going to happen. Then you're going to stay stuck. But if you don't do it, you're definitely going to, I think, I think you're going to regret it because you kind of have to take that stand to create an impact. Thank you. Nobody ever talks about that. Um, so thank you so much for pointing that out. Um, you said something about not yelling at people like that's not your approach but i do want to ask <laughs> holding yourself accountable with criticism with like there are people who have said that we, we i would call myself like i myself would call myself something like um so dumb what a dumb things to do uh you, you behave like a loser today do better tomorrow how like for someone who doesn't have a coach what advice would you get, give to them when they're talking to themselves? How can they motivate themselves? So I wouldn't encourage talking to yourself too much that way. So the um, it's <laughs> it's common. I do it. I've done it. And uh, um, but like then like you gotta be careful because like when we say these negative things out loud or even just in our own head, then we're perpetuating the self image, right? And there's um, good research around this as well, like compassion versus confidence. It's better to have self compassion is a more sustainable, important trait than just confidence. And compassion is actually going to help you be more own your capabilities consistently. It's like, yeah, no, I made a mistake, but I'm still capable. That takes self-compassion. And um, so, and then in terms of like, you know, the yelling at yourself, motivating yourself, again, generally beating people down is not a good approach, <laughs> like whether it's to yourself or to others. And a lot of people do that. Like they will be great at coaching other people terrible at coaching themselves. And a part of this is largely like, again, we're as humans, or maybe this isn't again, this is the first time as humans, we're designed to avoid dying. <laughs> like, like in the essence of like, don't screw up, don't make mistakes yeah. or else you die. Like, you know, you live in the jungle and stuff, you get kicked out of the tribe, whatever, like the primal way, you know, we were designed and that's, so we can't get rid of that part of our brain because it keeps us alive. It avoids us to go down a dark alleyway. Like, nah, this is dangerous. I mean, get out of here. Like, that's not a bad part of your brain. It's actually healthy and hopefully you can't get rid of it. Now, but generally a lot of our life isn't in that state. We're in a society where it's mostly about thriving and making an impact and growing and persevering and moving forward and not like don't screw up and die <laughs> kind of thing. So we want to learn to work on how we talk to ourselves, work on, that's why like bookend your day, write down your wins. Like it, to me, it's a non-negotiable, write down what you did. I don't care how terrible and rough of a day it was. Well, you still ate, you showed up, 
you're still sitting here like there's something you did well own it and that's when i talked about building momentum every day is an opportunity to build momentum sure there's some days it's like i want no momentum i'm watching netflix or i'm doing whatever <laughs> like i am shutting her down going into neutral but every day you're building momentum with yourself and with life or in the different things and, and for the most part and so like own those wins at the end of the day own those wins at the end of the week on at the end of the month and 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 write them down. It's like stacking your chips, as Todd, you know, uses as an analogy. One of my coaches, Sarah, called it the confidence bank. Every day, make a deposit. Like you made money, you did things, you deposit it into your confidence bank or your capabilities bank. And so that's self-talk. Now, how do you push yourself to keep getting better? We're naturally, again, most likely, especially when we're thinking high performers, there's some people that aren't as ambitious, and, and that's perfectly fine. And you know, if everyone's just ambitious all the time, we all just be, you know, the crab in the bucket kind of <laughs> like nobody's getting, yeah. nobody's going anywhere. Yeah. And some people are, and a lot of people really like being team members and they're ambitious of being the best team member they can be. And so everyone's got, you know, the things that matter to them and their intrinsic values. And then when it comes to like, you know, the end of the day and, you know, back to your main question around, well, how do I keep growing and learning or how do I deal with a tough day? Yeah. Well, have the self-compassion, learn from it be adaptable, you know, be very stingent, right? Detailed, like uh, strict with your self-talk to some degree, your narratives. And again, like, oh, you made a mistake. Okay. And if you keep making the same mistake, this is where, again, the alter ego is a great thing because maybe you have a tendency and it's the narrative is the reason why you keep doing it. Or yeah, metaphorically slap yourself up the head and be like, oh, I didn't realize I'm not learning from the mistake. But Mm -hmm. usually we might learn then why do we keep making a mistake over and over again? Well, it's like, oh, I know, you know, I shouldn't have the candy bar after dinner, but I keep doing it because, well, because my narrative is like, oh yeah, I love candy, <laughs> like, yeah. or or um or in a work setting. Well, I know I shouldn't be checking emails or social media, and that's last hour of the day, and I should go work on that important project. But it's like, oh, but I just like it's I'm just so tired, and I don't have the, like whatever the narrative. We have a narrative usually that's feeding yeah. that. And yeah. so it's like, oh yeah, I wasted an hour today doing that. And then we beat ourselves up and then we do it again a week later, a day later, like create an, um, a system, which is around the, how am I going to show up differently in that? Who am I going to mm-hmm. be here? What am I going to, how can I block things out? How can I make it easier? How can I create the environment? And so let's learn from our struggles and have compassion yeah. and then mm-hmm. learn from them and make strategic adjustments and self-reflect and that goes back to like carve your own path who do you want to be and those are those are things like when we think about bookending your day momentum on your wins learning growth um you know what adjustments are you making because sometimes and again that narrative of like just persist go hard go hard never give up it's like no sometimes you need to change (laughs) like sometimes you need to change your approach to the, that, those things, not just like, well, just have more discipline and self power and willpower, more motive. Like, no, nah, like that's not like, <laughs> that's often not the problem yeah. actually. And the problem is when you yeah. change the environment or change our approach or change the narrative or, you know, be strategic, adaptable, smart, creative around the solution, not just hard work. And, and I'm not against hard work, but like just, to, it's not the solution to everything. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely, I think, a more nuanced and a healthier approach to it. Because I feel like people who would criticize themselves that ruthlessly, 
uh, are people like uh, I think I have heard Joe Rogan say that a lot that that's how he talks to himself I think those are people who have such a plethora of uh, evidence to support how capable they are they've done so much that as soon as they turn on the internet they step out of their house they are surrounded by people who are lifting them up and reminding them of how awesome they are and in those cases if you talk to yourself like that it doesn't I don't think it you know, it, it drowns you in sorrow or it, it just grieves yeah. you to the extent where you lose your confidence. I think those people have the tendency to do that. I am so completely in my corner that I talk to myself like that. It doesn't. But yes, sometimes I think in some respects that could really start shifting your self-image and you don't even realize it till it's too late. So I love what you've shared. Yeah. That's a way more nuanced, way healthier approach. Uh, and yeah, it's it's great. For my last question, I just want you to share whatever advice you would give to people who have big goals, they're ambitious people, but they're figuring their way out. Any final advice you would want to give them? Yeah, well, the main thing I'll, I'll say to that will be like when I'm looking at life and pursuing goals or you know finding your own path, to me, the question is, who do you want to be? What and why do you want to be that? And you know, what's meaningful for you versus what do you want to achieve? Now, they're related, meaning like who you're going to be is going to lead to a result and what your result needs to, you know, you got to show up in a certain way. The mistake that a lot of us fall into, and this is the whole premise of my book, is, well, let's start with the results. I want to achieve this. I'm results first. So therefore, I focus on what am I going to do? What are the things and the processes or the tasks and the work I'm going to put in so that I can achieve that result? Okay. And then the last thing they consider is, well, who am I going to be? How am I going to show up? What's my mental state and why am I doing it? And the intrinsic drivers so that I can do these things well to achieve that result. But the problem when we take that model is the results, while they create stress, frustration, and distraction, and they weigh on you and you won't be able to be resilient, confident, have that swagger, own your capabilities, take risks, be creative, like whatever it is for your area that you are pursuing. And so we want to flip it. And I want it's and, and and the reality is that's completely backwards. It starts with why am I doing this? Who am I going to be? What's is this meaningful? And I enjoy being this. I enjoy showing up and doing this type of work and being this way. So therefore, now once I start with that and I get clarity on that, which most people don't have very good clarity there, then it flows into the actions. The actions flow from there when you've got true confidence and you've got true clarity in your mind on how you want to show up. Actions flow and the results, well, they're more likely to achieve them. But what's more important is you enjoy the journey and you enjoy the exploration, you enjoy the pursuit and you're more creative. So, but what we, there's a big trap in there where a lot of people are like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I have to have a good mindset and do these things because it's going to help me get better results. Problem. (laughs) That means you're still results first. If you're trying to focus on who you're being and the mindset and how you want to show up and live so that you can achieve more things, well, then that means you're still results first. And if you're results first, there's the weight, the stress, the variability, the frustration that comes with results. And it will hurt your mindset and your mental state. So I'm a big advocate in the world trying to get people to be less results first and way more mindset first. Prioritize who do you want to be, your mental state, how you want to show up, how do you want to live, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Those are the questions. Not, what do I want to achieve? The achievements are usually self-explanatory and pretty obvious. Now, 
it doesn't mean not to ask yourself that question because sometimes when you're exploratory, it's like, well, what would I like my life to look like? What would I like to achieve? What would I like to be doing? And you can ask these questions, but then from a foundational, where do you live from and day to day? And then you have to get grounded and make this the main thing, the mental state, the being, the why, when, when you're connected to that and stay connected, that's where people thrive. And that's what I'm all about. Well, what do you know? We've reached the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, for supporting the podcast, and for sharing your time with me. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show on whatever podcast platform you love. You can also watch the video version of the interviews and most of the solo episodes on my YouTube channel. Link is in the episode description. Now, if you made it this far, you must love the content at least a little bit, or maybe you just like hanging out with me, or there was something in this particular episode that resonated with you. Or maybe it's all of those things. I would love to know. So if you've got a minute, it will be great if you can drop a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can send me your thoughts on the show via email. Now, if you want content that goes deeper than even the podcast does with a lot of real life stories, one-on-one interactions, or just become part of my tribe, subscribe to my weekly newsletter. The link is in the episode description. Once again, thank you so, so much for sharing your time with me. Take care and I will be back soon with the next episode. Mm